This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to yet another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Liverpool faced off against Leeds United for the third time in as many weeks and were undone by two goals either side of half-time against a side brimming with Premier League quality as Jorginho Ruter and Willie Nonto smashed home to take the points back to the Yorkshire. Yes, in Yorkshire, isn't it? A lot of prep done there. Joining me tonight is Dan Allard. How's things? Back again? Indeed, indeed. Becoming a regular again, shockingly. I did tell you that I'd not written an intro, so that'll do. Um, ben, how's things? Yeah, all right, mate. Thanks. A little bit more uh, downbeat than I um, than I have been after recent results, but that's more to do with I think the rest of the the league than Argyle. So I'm sure we'll get on to that. I'm sure we'll get on to whether we should give Ian Foster time later on. And rejoining us after a, a few pods absences, uh, John Allsop. How's things? Good. Yeah, I'm trying to see if I too can get a Lionel Richie tribute for my dad's office ceiling, which is also very nice. Uh, I don't know how he does this. My back hurts already from like leaning over. Um, so yeah, fair play. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down now. Well, at least the gag's done and out of the way. Um, an incredible chart that I've had in my head since I saw the tweet. To be fair, if we could get. Oh, what a feeling going at home park. I'd be very, I'd be very happy. John, whilst you're unmuted, why don't you run us through um, Saturday's 2-0 loss? Yeah, um, obviously a frustrating result. don't think anyone would deny that. But, you know, uh, again, as you said, you're a very well-prepared introduction. Definitely not cribbed from any other sources. Came up against a team just stacked with quality who are incredibly ruthless. Um, and we have, by and large, I think, defended very well, as we have done in the other games against Leeds under Ian Foster in the Cup, obviously sort of slightly undone in extra time in the in the replay. Um, but in, in the 90 minutes in those games, defended against them very well, uh, while sort of riding our luck a little bit, which was also the case yesterday as they hit the woodwork with a deflected effort from Ruter, I think, firstly, and then that James free kick late on. But um, other than that, limited them to just two shots. Um, well, those were not shots on target, I guess, but limited them to two shots on target. Uh, through two, I think, pretty questionable pieces of defending and because of the quality of attacking player that they have, they have punished us absolutely ruthlessly. Um, I felt that we had some definitely some positives to take from the game from an Argyle perspective. Didn't create too many chances, but I thought created some nice play. Um, 
you know, despite the uh, some naysaying among friends of ours and on social media, I actually felt that we broke through the lines pretty well. Uh, a couple of leads friends of mine were quite impressed with how we played against them, seemed to think that we were, uh, you know, we gave them a more challenging time than some of the other championship clubs they've come up against recently. <laughs> Swansea. Um, sorry, a bit of a cough. Um, but yes, I felt we actually, we, we sort of spread the ball quite nicely from side to side to divine ping some very nice passes. Sorinola a couple as well, I think. Um I think if we just had a bit more composure in terms of the final delivery and the final ball, we could have, um, you know, created some proper chances. Um, obviously, we did have seemingly one chance, which was uh, that ball that I think Miller thundered across the box and Wayne throwing himself at it, couldn't quite make contact. Um, hard to see from our end of the ground opposite that one, how close that was. But uh, judging by the ooh that went around the ground when it was shown on the screen, which we also couldn't see because we were behind it, uh, it seemed like it probably was pretty close. Um, yeah, and then, and, you know, that was obviously a very important time in the game. I'm sure we'll come on to it. I actually thought we then moved into what was clearly our game plan, which was to be very much in the game, let Wayne kind of tire out their defenders a bit, stretch them a bit, and then bring on Ryan Hardy for a bit more penetration in behind. But just as that game plan was perhaps kind of clicking into its next phase, we um, allow them to score with a shot from Ruter that is... It's a good, powerful finish after a good, powerful run, but I think you have to question why he's allowed so much space. And also, I think you have to question, unfortunately, the, the goalkeeping from Connor Hazard is kind of straight at him, sort of zips through him more than anything else. Um, again, not an absolute howler because of the pace at which the ball was travelling, but I think Cooper would probably have saved that one uh, for my money. So, yeah, kind of a sucker punch, really. Um, and then again, coming after the goal in the first half, which also came at a really bad time for us, just as we were looking to get a foothold in the game. So so disappointing um, that it went that way. I don't think we gave the very best account of ourselves that we could have done, but I think also sometimes you just have to give credit to the opposition. They are clearly a very, very good side, oozing with talent. I mean, Ruter, as I think I said, at least once in, in one of the pods after we played them previously this season is a you know £40 million player. Um, you know, 40 times our transfer record for someone who's playing in the Championship is not bad. And I think Ashley Phillips really actually handled him very well by and large. So... It's frustrating, but I think I think green shoots definitely still there. Um, and yeah, like I said, sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say we're playing a team who are very much on form at the moment, um, and just not our day for that for that combination of reasons. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty spot on. I, I see a lot of discourse on social media asking what we can do to sort of overcome these obstacles, or what we could have done better, or where the mistakes were. And sometimes you just come up against a team that's better than you. And um, take my earbud out because I'm echoing in my own head. Um, you come up against a team that's better than you, and you know you you try and play your game plan. And it's just you you've not got the quality to, to 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 see it over the line. And it would you know maybe one game out of ten or one game out of fifteen, we would have got the result. But you have to accept that um, you know Leeds Leeds are a better team with with better players, and they can have an off day and still probably get the result. Um, we weren't good enough there were individual mistakes at times um, some of them didn't cost us and some of them did uh, and I think that that's the probably the biggest regret or the biggest sort of um, sticking point from that we should be taking from it rather than maybe lambasting anyone in particular but I think the fact that Foster does seem to have us so much better organized uh, we do play well through the third sometimes that you know when you're in possession of the ball, sometimes you're not going to get the pass right. If you're asking players to be brave, take people on, roll people, you are going to lose possession sometimes. But the point of Foster's setup is that if people are in position, 
you have the cover for when that happens, but it's when people were potentially out of position. Like, for example, the first goal, I think Miller is gambling, thinking there's a chance to sort of get the break on rather than stepping back in where he ought to be and covering um, Nonto. That then gives Gibson the problem, trying to get back. Gibson loses the ball in the air. He's not able to get underneath it and just clear it away. Hazard, I, I thought live being in the Devonport, that Hazard could have gone out to the ball, but looking at the replay, the highlights from the side, there's no thick chance, I don't think, for him, no time for him to get out and sort of challenge for that or to take it. So it, it was just a really unfortunate um series or like three things there that just didn't work. If 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 Miller had been where he ought to have been, I don't think I think he he worries Nonto and gives Gibson more time to come back and cover. If it was slightly if it had dropped slightly further forward, Hazard would have got it. If it had dropped slightly further back Gibson would have been able to get back under it, I think, and do a better job of challenging for it. I think he kind of lost it in flight and wasn't able to to get to it in time. And that was just one of those perfect storm of bad circumstances. But it's that sort of situation where if, if Miller had pinned in the right place, potentially that that goal isn't conceded. Um, and um, similarly, like like John said, for the, uh, the second goal, I, I don't really blame Miller for giving the ball away where he did. There's lots of opportunities for others to intervene in that passage of play. Um, you know, Miller did a lot of good work down that side and he's going to lose the ball sometimes if he's trying to skin people. You know, I, I think he, I haven't looked at the stats, but I would suggest to the eye, he looked like he won more of those duels, got past his man more often than he didn't and got praised for that. So um, I wouldn't necessarily pick him out in the second goal, but there are certainly moments where people could could do a little bit better, and and I do think the keeper's culpable. You know, I do I know it's it's hard and it's low, and he's making himself big, and therefore there's a gap between his legs, and he's got big long legs. But at the same time, you know, you you're a goalkeeper, you're supposed to be able to cover, you know, your your, your outline, your shadow. Um, so for the two goals, I think it, you know there were individual errors that that cost us, but the game plan was working well, both offensively and defensively. You know. Apart from the first 10, 15 minutes when we gave Leeds far too much respect and I don't think we you know, barely touched the ball. As soon as they scored, we started to come back into it without really threatening much. Having said that, you know, there was there was the um, Miller took a wild shot um when he could have slipped Wayne in. It would have been a difficult ball to to sort of wait properly, but he could have put Wayne in behind the back line and exactly the sort of opportunity Wayne liked, and that was about 15, 20 minutes in. Um there was there was Whitaker almost won the ball back in the first half. I, I thought he did. The ref blew it for a foul. It didn't look at all like a foul to me. The ref was quite inconsistent with contact and what he was allowing. Sometimes the guys benefit, but seemingly mostly to Leeds benefit during the game. Uh, for example, with the, the the free kick that Dan James nearly scored the third with, that was a, a you know a weird amount of contact to to give a free kick for on the edge of the box when Wayne had literally been manhandled, two arms round him. Uh, tr- trying to break away in the first half, it was um, yeah, I wasn't over and over enthused about the the officials' performance. I think that was um, maybe a was source also, of it was also in the box. Very well, the, yeah, the but, Leeds but... free kicking was was very much in, also. I, I agree with you that I don't think it was a foul, but if it was given, it, it should have been a penalty. It was miles inside the area, so it was just a very strange decision all around. Well, I think he gave it for the pull on the outside because there's a good tackle in the box. He makes a tackle in the box, and I think he then pulls it back because. The advantage he hadn't been able to carry on and gain advantage, but the pull back outside the box, I thought, was incredibly, like you say, it was weak. So yeah, and then the three minutes of added time after the six against Coventry that absolutely enraged me. Um, but we were, you know, we're not on ref watch just yet. Um, so yeah, I thought, you know, there's a lot of meltdowns, sort of looking for the answers. Sometimes you just got to say there isn't an answer. You're up against a, a team that's, that 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 can execute 
it's it's game plan to seven out of ten and likely beat you unless you execute yours to ten out of ten. I thought the the movement between the lines was good, um, and I thought the 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 link up between sort of like the twentieth minute and the the seventieth eightieth minute was was really good. I thought there was a lot of good defending. Some of it was last ditch, but that is you know last ditch defending is part of playing against a really good team. And I thought most of it was executed really well. I thought there was a lot to be happy with and I think sometimes people try and pick bones out of things and look for answers to problems that don't really exist as one you have to to write off and say you know how many games have Leeds lost this season I can't imagine it's more than sort of six or or seven at the most um they haven't lost this calendar year and in fact the only team they've failed to beat is us in the FA Cup so they literally won every single league at the turn of the year yeah, I think after playing us, this stat is something like, is it like 15 scored, one conceded in the past eight games, uh, league games, that is. Um, you know, that, that's an incredible record. And we look like bothering them. If Wayne's foot was an inch longer, that stud that got scraped would have would have put the ball in the net. So um, we look like decent. We look decent for a goal, I thought, over the over the whole 90 minutes. And so the fact that we did that against a team that has only conceded in one of the last eight league games um, is pretty impressive. And we just have to sort of say... Not remonstrate about what we could have done to, to get the result. Just accept that you know we needed to have been perfect and we weren't. Nice. Moving on to some full time. Sorry to drop you in that while you're mid burp, mate. I could have timed that better, couldn't I? No, I can't actually burp. I've only burped like three times in my life. Genuinely, I can't burp. Your fourth ever burp was caught on audio for our podcast listeners. People say we don't produce the best Argyle fan content, and I have to say to those people, I would say. Tune in to hear Aaron's fourth ever burp. I mean, it wasn't a burp, it was a cough. Um, and also, I hope that it wasn't caught on audio. And thirdly, it will be edited out. So don't tune in just for that. Um, right. If you're a Bristol Rovers fan, though, we could say, you know, up the gas. We, we could. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, full-time thoughts. I'm just going to read this out. I haven't picked them out specifically. Paul Burke says, uh, it didn't seem... It didn't seem like the head coach was interested in getting anything from the game. We probably wouldn't have gotten gotten away with it anyway, but with 20 minutes to go and only one goal down, we didn't have any subs warming up. Two minutes later, we're 2-0 down and it's game over. Uh, Dane Bunny says Hazard was Leeds' best player. Gossi says, didn't think we could have done more than that. Giving away the soft first goal didn't help. They are light years ahead with this squad worth eye-watering amounts of money with parachute payments to help them out. We move. Um, Ken Adams is giving away free goals away at this level is suicide. Um, Graham King says, uh, Leeds United are a very good team. Thought we deserved more given our second half performance. Second goal finished us off, but lots of positives. Um, Hemmerden Gill says, result won't define our season. We didn't disgrace ourselves. Just a shame. Both goals we conceded were preventable. Back to Hazard all season, but today he really tested me with his lack of dominance and poor distribution. I'm sure we'll get onto that um, soon. Um, let's finish on a couple here. Um, Keith Jenkin, once again, game decided by key bits of decision-making and quality at both ends of the pitch. Always a free hit today. Just needed to get through this tough run of games intact. We're playing well enough to suggest we should secure safety. And then we're going to finish on James Black, who um, said, having now worked out Argos tactics, I'm confident to wait for the second half in every game. First half an hour, we sit back and let the opposition come at us. No problem. We can defend whilst they tire themselves out and get frustrated. Second half, now 
they're confident enough to beat them. You know, the, the old Homer Simpson boxing technique, if you will. Is that how you would sum up life under Foster? And if so, how does it compare um, to to Schumacher Ball? Fosball versus Chewy uh-huh. Ball. Dan, remember, before you're too harsh, he does deserve more time. Foster he does deserve more time. More time. Yes. So, I think it's just really important to clarify. Sam, um, Sam clarified to us yesterday, Foster does deserve, he deserves more time before rush to judgment, like the judgment I'm sure you're about to offer on, on Ian Foster. Yes, indeed. It's still quite early days. Um, and I think that the results, and if we take the league results of, I think it is now two wins, two draws, two defeats, isn't it? Uh, in his six league games, um, which, you know, doing the kind of very basic cigarette packet maths, you know, would see us comfortably stay up over the course of the season. And um, that's the objective. And, you know, so to come in, um, have all the kind of turmoil of players leaving, signing new players, um, integrating them into the squad, various people being unavailable. Um, it is encouraging, um, to say the very least, that we've got eight points from six games, I think. Um, Performances-wise, again, very noticeable how we how we have kind of progressed and his tactical style is starting to be implemented, even though it is still early days. That first Huddersfield game was a lot of kind of hoof and chase, um, play for second balls, keep it tight at the back, you know, nothing too um, expansive, which was very different to how we played under Schumacher this season. Very kind of um, aggressive, committing bodies forward, um, you know, counter-pressing and, and potentially being caught on the counter, but that's how we turn the ball over in good areas. So, you know, it's, it's risk and reward, as I've said before. Um, and we're now starting to see that kind of thing come in with Foster. Obviously, he plays three at the back, um, whereas Schumacher kind of flitted between three at the back and four at the back this season. So it's, um, yeah, more kind of, you know how we're going to set up each week. But at the same time, um, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of encouraging signs. Um, the way we were brave on the ball, as Ben said, and, and played through their press yesterday against a very talented group of players, um, it shouldn't be underestimated, I don't think, how difficult that is to do. And it's so important as well for us because, you know, we, we're not we're not really the type to kind of mix styles. We don't have like a target man in the team to go long to. Obviously, we've got Hardy can kind of chase in behind with balls over the top. But really, we can't just lump it up to a target man and play second ball from there. We need to try and play through the thirds, keep it on the deck, play out from Hazard's feet. Um, so when that doesn't come off, it will put us under a lot of pressure. But as has been said, you know, we're, we're doing really well to be brave on the ball and 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 make those little kind of triangles and and, and playing out and and um, and creating chances from there. Um, yesterday, Leeds um, just kept us quiet. I think you have to credit their two centre-backs, Rodon and Ampadu, were, were extremely good at keeping our attacking players quiet. We couldn't get through to them as a result. Didn't really test Melier at all, which is frustrating over 90 minutes. But it's just one of those things. You don't get a free pass playing Leeds, Southampton or Leicester. I just kind of make that clear that I don't think you, just because we're playing them, they all get a free pass to kind of be, you know, immune from any criticism. 
but at the same time you have to be considerate of who we're playing. Every other team we've played this season, other than that horrible Bristol City game where we played a bunch of reserves, let's be honest, um, we have given a right good game against. We've been in the game. Yeah, of course we've lost some of them, you know. Um, but I think I'm right in saying the only ones that we've lost by more than one goal outside of, of um, Leeds, Leicester, well, just Leeds and Leicester, are, yeah, Bristol City 4-1 and then three... Sunderland, which was two goals, Swansea, which was two goals, and Millwall, which was two goals. I might be missing one out there. But that kind of shows that we have been right in the game against every other team in this division. Um, and we can kind of match them. You know, obviously, we don't have their resources. We don't have their um, quality of player. But through smart tactical setup and putting a really good squad together that is, you know, pulling the weight and, and maximising. Um, as much as possible, I think we're we're doing a, a really really good job. Obviously, there's a lot of frustration after yesterday's game. People want to see us, you know, push on to the next level. See if we can, um, you know, kind of keep nicely clear of that drop zone and maybe push on towards the playoffs. But you just have to remember once again where we are. You know, twenty first this season will be brilliant, and until we kind of build the model further in terms of, you know, making profits on players and um, external income, that type of stuff. 21st will continue to be a very good season for us at this level. Unfortunately, it's not what people like to hear, especially the older fans who, you know, when we were a kind of bigger fish at this level, but it's the way it is at the minute. Um, so for the time being, just a kind of bit of perspective, you know, frustrating to lose at home, never like it, but yeah, it is what it is. Ben, I would have come to you on that one, but obviously for a more uh, statistical view. But I know that we're working away in the background for another deep dive stats pod uh, to compare the two, which will be live in a few weeks, hopefully. Just how, uh, last on Leeds themselves specifically, just how delighted are you to see the back of Leeds for a few months at least? I don't think they've really shown us what they're capable at at this level. You know, I mean, every game they've threatened to blow us away and bar the extra time in the FA Cup not really managed to do it despite the two wins and two draws, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I think that the difference between Leeds now and the start of the season is they could comfortably beat teams all season, but were struggling to find that second, third gear when they needed it early season, whereas now all of a sudden they're, they're able to hit that stride when they need to. Um, and I think against us, there is the potential that if we'd got the equaliser, then they might well have like you know really pulled their socks up and 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 gone hammer and tongs. I think that um, Farkas finally got. They had a lot of turmoil early season, didn't they? There's that there a lot of was it Sinistera was was really through the toys out there. Pram, Pram Nonto himself, I think, it took a while for him to be reintegrated after sort of trying to do similar. Um, there was a lot of relegation clauses in contracts about players being able to go out on loan and stuff. So as much as we would laugh at that sort of turmoil and love to have you know, the, the resources they do. I think f just for knowing who was playing and kind of unity in the dressing room and stuff, they had, you know, a bit of upheaval. Um, but now they really look like, the you know, the train is is gathering speed. Um, and if they don't finish in the top two, um, it will take some, you know, the, the Southampton, yes, they 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 broke their, their streak, but they're looking incredible. I think those two... Um, the fight for that second spot. I mean, Leicester are going to have to ironically keep up a decent pace um, to keep them both from 
from chasing them down. I don't think anyone will overtake them, overtake Leicester. But but yeah, the Leeds are just. I would rather have played played Sheffield United yesterday. I think than Leeds, and I think that says a lot about Leeds' situation in this in this league. Um, and that might be a bit disrespectful to Sheffield United um, because you know they're playing in a, they they deserve to be in the in the Premier League potentially um, for their exploits. But I just fact check false. Sheffield United do not deserve to be in the Premier League this <laughs> season, in my opinion. Well, there you go. Probably the poorest promoted promoted side that I can remember in my time following that level. Sorry. No, no, but you know, I'd like to think that sort of backs up my opinion that I'd rather have played Sheffield United than Leeds yesterday. They just you know Leeds are they're not a team that we can measure ourselves against. Um it's a shame really that they didn't sort of blow us away and we could have said, Wow, look at the players we we got to watch at home park and some of the, the brilliant play. But in some ways it's it's good to manage your fitness, manage your resources and and play that way to sort of um to to eke eke yourselves out over the season. I think that's what they've done quite cleverly. I think Fark has got them um, all on board and, and playing well. So, so yeah, I mean, the idea that f- under Foster we've suddenly become a bit more boring seems to be, be doing the rounds. And to that, I'd, I'd suggest that the biggest factor is not the manager, but losing Finazaz. Um, you know, under, under Schumacher, if Finazaz was always the alternative when Morgan Whitaker was marked out of the game or having a, a, a slow game. Um, Finazaz would pop up with a bit of magic. He was also the Swiss Army knife in midfield. He'd bring other players into play if he wasn't creating the magic himself. Um, and I think what he's doing at Borough already is evidence of of how good a player he is and what we miss. Also evidenced by what Schumacher's not achieving at Stoke with arguably a pretty decent squad of, of players there at his disposal. Um, I know it's not as simple as that, but I do think that... Um, if if Azaz was in the squad, would be playing uh, you know a lot more attractive football, and and you know that raises the question: Well, what can Foster do to get things out of the rest of the squad? I think that's what he's trying to do. I think that's what the other, what the other players are trying to do: trying to offer alternatives, trying to support Morgan Whitaker. You know, we've had Bundu out injured, who I think has the potential to be a a great addition um, to add flair and options going forward. But you know, our, our options are limited, as evidenced by the fact that Ben Wayne was starting yesterday to give. Uh, Ryan Hardy arrest, you know, um, you know, I, I think probably all of us looked at that lineup and thought, is he throwing this game or is there a game plan? The fact is that he's Wayne is the next man up up front, um, and Ryan Hardy needed a rest. Maybe he's hoping he, uh, maybe Foster was hoping for Hardy would be fit for this game, and it just didn't work out that way. You know, as he said, the the um, the science sort of said he needs a rest, or his hammy might go again. So that you know they have their monitors, don't they, during games? So I think the sports science sort of suggested that. Might come at a bad time, but Hardy just needed to have that rest, and he has the squad available to him that he has. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to see the back of Leeds. Um, yes, we're not quite as vibrant going forward, but I'd I'd exchange that vibrancy for good organisation and um, the ability to stay in games against top teams rather than get battered four nil, five nil, as for example. Um, Schumacher has a, the last two times he's played Leicester, uh, including once with us. So, um, you know, the proof of that pudding, I suppose, will be when Leicester come to to visit us later in the season. But um, I think it's an exchange that needs to be made. And as I've as I said on the last pod, um, Swansea came and did that job on us. Mill came the game after and did that job on us, or vice versa, rather. Um, that's what we need to be able to do to stay in this division. We need to be able to play against teams when we're not producing the goods going forward hold them off and then take our opportunities when they come. So, yeah, I think that 
we're glad to see the back of Leeds, but we have to play them twice in the season. Um, the likelihood we was going to lose them both anyway. Uh, the league, the, the the cup games were good fun. Uh, and now we're going to get into shortly going to get into a run of games where it w- it will matter. It'll be games against teams in and around us and down the bottom. Um, so, like Dan says, they're not free hits. We tried our game plan; it didn't come off. Um, other teams around us and in the relegation zone have won. Yes, that's that's worrying some to to a degree, but you know, fixtures come in swathes of good batches and bad batches, don't they? And we're going to have a good batch pretty soon. I think to try and gain some points from, and all of a sudden fans might be sitting a little bit more comfortably. I don't think there's uh, too much to worry about the fact that we've uh, been full of leads recently. It's going to surprise people to hear that I actually normally do a little bit of preparation for these pods. Um, doesn't always seem that way. Uh, tonight I've basically done none. So I'm going to just jump straight into loads of social questions. Um, I'm going to flip the order around. I'm going to come back to you, Dan, because there's a question for John uh, after this. But um, Hemrod and Gills, and you, you can make this a quick one. Um, they've, they've asked, uh, not directed at the current setup, but have you ever pre-game less expected a win? And then I'm going to I'm going to change their question, the second question up a little bit. That says, um, "Are parachute payments ruining this league?" Blimey. Um... Well, have I gone into a game ever less expecting a win? No. Um, but sorry, yes, I have. Um, the one that springs to mind is the the cup ties at Liverpool and Chelsea. If we're going to exclude them and say league game, um, well, yeah, maybe Leicester away this season. But yeah, there's there's not many, and and it is and kind of leading on to their second point is the disparity of financial clout at this level because of parachute payments that make it so bonkers you know uh, it's it's kind of more you know that as that kind of filters down to kind of league one league two conference it, it's obviously the, the the gap is less wide but you know when we are paying breaking our transfer transfer record and paying one million pound for two players each um, and then coming up against teams that have players that cost twenty times that, it's it's it does feel frustrating. But are, are they kind of ruining ruining football, ruining this league? I don't know. It, it's it's obviously it's it's very the Premier League is very marketable, and and the Championship is is quite marketable. Um, so investors see money in that. Um, it's it's again it's frustrating, but Leeds isn't our battle, you know. They're probably going to go up this season, even if they don't. They'll be well. Their expectations will be a lot loftier than ours next season um, if we stay up. So it's yeah, they're they're not really our battle. Obviously, our aim is to develop to a point where we can um, be a sustainable kind of championship team that can have a bit more clout than those um those other <laughs> these clubs that you know even like disregarding leads you know kind of the clubs that are around us in mid table that spend silly money on wages and transfer fees and stuff you know and again we're doing so so well to compete with them um but because at the minute we're at a financial disadvantage and that's not to say 
you know, like some people are saying, why doesn't Hallett get his checkbook out and stuff and nonsense like that? Of course, that's not the case. Um, we're doing the best we can at the minute. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's it's difficult to, it's difficult to stomach um, sometimes when you go into a league game and feel like the cards are stacked that much against you. Um, but I think, like I say, it is what it is with Leeds, Southampton and um, and Leicester. Whereas for the rest, whilst we are still at a financial disadvantage against most of those, um, we've shown that we can box clever and give them a good game nine times out of ten. Can I just jump in on that, on that one quickly? Sorry. Yeah, go on then. Crack on. Why not? I think, I, think there's some, I think there's something different going on here slightly. Parachute payments are an issue, but last season what's happened is that three just generally very well-resourced Premier League clubs have come down. Uh, and these are not clubs that are like doped up on recent parachute payments. I think in, in each case, Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, it's been you know a very long time since any of those clubs were relegated out of the Premier League if, uh, until last season. If I, if I can remember that rightly, it probably would have been Leicester sort of, sort of a decade or so ago, maybe. Um, probably a bit longer than that. So... And I think actually it's that's actually that was actually quite a positive development, not not for those clubs, of course, um, but in the sense that um, it wasn't the kind of same turgid yo-yo club, three up, three down. Your Norwiches, Fulham's, West Brom's, Burnley's, Sheffield United. Obviously, Burnley and Sheffield United did go up following that model, and now look like they're going to come straight back down. Um, so, so I think the parachute payment thing is a huge issue and is making the championship generally less competitive among other factors but I actually think that having Leeds, Leicester and Southampton here is in some ways a refreshing break from that just as refreshing that Luton have gone up into the Premier League and kind of broken that that yo-yoopoly if you want to call it that um and I think we should think that's I think we should all find that quite refreshing and you know notwithstanding that I personally think the vast disparities in wealth between football clubs are kind of disgusting anyway regardless of recent relegation or promotion history um and so i certainly can understand what dan's saying about it being hard to stomach that you can go into a game let alone in, in the same league as a club um and, and be up against such a competitive disadvantage financially but, but but these are the games also that we should be wanting like this is the sort of the point of getting back to the championship or one of them as far as i can remember is that you get to go to leicester you get to go to leeds you get to go to southampton you get to go to these big famous premier league clubs um and I just I really enjoyed yesterday from that point of view. You know, like if you if you offered me um, Argyle playing Leeds in four years time, when four years ago this month I was sat at Valley Parade, um, you know, watching us lose two one in nine men with with League sorry with nine men in League Two. Actually, that's maybe not the best example because Valley Parade is actually a cracking away day. But you know, any, if you'd offered any of us um, back in those League Two games four years from now, you're going to be competing with Leeds at home park, Southampton, Leicester at home park in the same league. You know, I don't think I don't think there's really anyone who'd be under illusions that that we'd be fighting on a level playing field with those clubs. But I think everyone would have said, "Yeah, that's great. These are the days that we wanted to be here for." That's certainly the case for me. You know, and I and I yeah, I loved yesterday. Obviously, the result was disappointing, but I think I think you know, amid all the negativity, it can get a bit lost that the point of us being at this level is that we do get these big games, and just because of the reality of the way it is financially, we are probably going to lose them nine times out of ten, and that's okay. And I think it's not not a cause for everyone to catastrophize. And in fact, it's actually, you know, I don't want to I don't want to sound like I'm saying little old Plymouth Argyle against, you know, big old Leeds. Obviously, we should try and win every game. And it's disappointing when we don't. But I think some some kind of perspective is needed around that, as Dan said. Earlier. Yeah, I think um, Ben and Dan have both offered their opinions on this. And, and I know you joked about it earlier, about um, somebody else's comments. I think people can un- 
work out who uh, is suggesting that we give Foster time. Um, social question from Andy Brown, who's asked, Fozzie's use of substitutes uh, seems to leave it a little too late. Is he proactive enough, John? I haven't really sort of done a close analysis of Foster's substitutions across all the games he's been here. And also, I think that um, it's going to always be very difficult for him, I think, from that point of view, because he's coming in and replacing a manager who um, I think was absolutely elite at in-game management, um, be that substitutions, kind of shifting tactical emphasis. I think that was really where Schumacher excelled compared to other managers at the level. Um, one of the areas in which he, he was really, really strong, despite being a young manager. Um, so I think Foster is kind of coming into a situation where he's going to be compared against that. And so far, he doesn't appear to have quite the same knack for changing a game off the bench. That being said, I actually think that the Hardy slash Wayne strategy yesterday worked quite well. Um, and if we hadn't conceded that second goal when we did, I think that you know Hardy would have continued to get into the game, would have created some chances for him. And he did sort of snap all that chance for himself, didn't he, at 2-0 down, where he uh, managed to sort of take it out of Melier's gloves and, and smack it into a defender from a very tight angle. So I actually think that was, that was a pretty smart kind of substitution that was clearly part of a game plan. Um, he does love to, uh, obviously, substitute his uh, wing-backs. I think that's, I don't know if it's every game where the two wing-backs have been withdrawn and replaced at the same time, but certainly a few in a row. Um, and I wonder if that is, you know, at risk of becoming predictable for opposition managers. That being said, I think, you know, Sorinola, Souza, Miller and Mumba, while not identical players by any means, obviously do have some kind of similar attributes and are being asked to do a broadly similar role in the team. So I don't know if it's necessarily a huge tactical disadvantage that the managers know that that change is coming it, it really is just maybe more about fresh legs for us in in a position where clearly he's demanding a lot of energy a lot of running a lot of up and down um as, you know positions that really are kind of i think the linchpin of any system that relies on wing backs um and, and that certainly seems to be the case with this foster side um also you know we've got availability issues right i mean uh jb and foreshaw have been our first choice midfield they were unavailable yesterday for reasons of um uh, being on loan from Leeds and being injured respectively so that sort of limits your midfield options in terms of substitution substitutions you can make in in that position so yeah i don't i don't necessarily know that i feel he's he's too reactive or not proactive enough i think it's again it's quite early days we're having to give him time as we've all discussed um uh, but yeah and i think i would have to probably come back with a conclusion on that in a, in a few weeks time more so that i can give you one now um yeah, I think, as I said, you know, the, the, the flip side whereby Schumacher very noticeably was very, very good at affecting games is probably not something we've seen from Foster so far. But, you know, is it worth trading that for more resilience and, and kind of toughness to beat from the start of games? Um, you know, again, quite a lot of the time when you notice impactful substitutions, it's because you started the game badly or you're chasing a game. And actually under Foster, that has, that has um, you know, been the case a few times, of course. But um Generally speaking, you know we've we've been in some quite good positions under him uh, in 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 the second half of games. So we'll see um, on on that front. But yeah, I think it's I think it's way too early to suggest that he he's sort of overly reactive in that in that department. Um, jury jury is out. I think on that front. Yeah, backing back to you then, Ben. Uh, Morgan has asked based on recent improvement. What is the plan with Ben Wayne? Um, Barry Evans has said, are we seeing some improvement from Ben Wayne? And Ben Wayne for Ballon d'Or has asked, why is Ben Wayne the greatest player of all time? There you go. To answer the third question first, um, he seems like the most genuinely lovable person um, ever. 
her, he has a very open and eager to please smile and a lot of keenness and energy, um, which he, you know, he tries to put on the pitch. Um, it, are we seeing improvement? Yes, we are seeing improvement for sure. Um, I think I chanted his name as he left the pitch for the first time without any sort of feeling of hypocrisy yesterday. I thought he, he did well, but the question, you know, it comes back to objectivity. Do we, you know, what's his future? Does he have a role? Because, you know, I personally, I think that was his best performance in the championship, in my opinion, by quite a way. But then, I mean, it's, if you put emphasis on strikers scoring goals, maybe the cameo it leads away, you'd say, because he got the goal. But I think there's more to football than putting the ball in the net, isn't there? So I think, you know, we can say I was quite amazed how much he didn't fall over. That sounds sarcastic, but, you know, he really showed strength he hasn't done at times to not just receive the ball, but um, there are times when it will just bounce off him like a brick wall because he's under pressure. He's not able to control the ball and bring it down or lay it off. I thought he did a really good job of that. Um, he... There was much more guile to his press, as a, like, I've been quite um, critical of, of his um, directness and, and the lack of nuance to his um, to his pressing game, you know, not being able to fool the defenders or, or, or cause them problems, being quite ob- obvious. But he seemed to do that pretty well yesterday. What I would say that is, if if Brian Hardy had put that performance in, and then Ben Wayne had come on, I would look at that and say. Ryan Hardy sort of had a bit of an off day um, today, which is wasn't to say that it wasn't a championship level performance, but that's the level that Ben Wayne's competing with as as, as the starting number nine. Um, which is to say, it was it was a good performance for Ben Wayne. Was it the sort of was it the sort of performance that if he plays consistently, we can use that to 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 progress in this league? I'm not so sure, but what, as as was suggested by the question. What it does show is definite progression um, and Foster's definitely um, tweaked or, or worked on. You know, he, he does have a, a particular set of skills. Um, <laughs> he's not Liam Neeson, as uh, was commented in the last live when I made that comment. Um, and, and Foster, I think, has visibly developed those so far, you know, already in the few weeks he's worked with him. Um, sort of He's put more. I don't use the word nuance again. But I'm struggling for another. Um, he's not. He's less of a one-trick pony. He's certainly developed, added, um, added strings to the bow, arrows to the quiver, however you want to put it. He seems to be a, a more developed player. And if he continues to develop like that, then um, there's no reason why he he doesn't have a future with Argyle. Um, whether he can and where his ceiling is is, is the question. Um, I've said that he needs to hit the target more. Um, that I think if that can be improved, if that's something that can be coached, I don't know, but um, all the link up play, et cetera, is great, but you need someone who, when they get into to Hardy's position, can can rifle it in the near post top corner or, or you know, work the keeper. Um, so that will be a crucial issue at some point in the future. But I mean, definitely improved. That was definitely an improved performance in my mind to, to a lot of what we've seen recently. It was certainly a credible championship performance, but I wouldn't say it was a, an elite or even sort of you know top um, championship strikers performance. It certainly wasn't ridiculous. He didn't stand out as a sore thumb as not deserving to be on the pitch or being not up to the, the to the level. But like I say, if, if Hardy had put that performance in, I don't think any of us would be saying, wow, that was a great performance by Hardy. It would be quite the opposite. So um, it, it depends how you're evaluating him. You can only evaluate him, I suppose, against his own um, levels. Um, and by that standard, I thought he was he was pretty good yesterday and, and give, certainly gives confidence that um 
Foster can keep developing him. It's, it, it will all be, depend on where that development sort of slows and stops, whether he has a long-term future. And also, of course, whether you know Argyle stay in the championship or we, whether this season or next we end up a division lower or even a division higher. Yeah, I'm going to come back to you, John, because obviously we were in uh, Rome, my first trip to uh, Rome uh, yesterday, the, the brewery up near... Uh, where is it? Peveril. Is it in Peveril? Is Peveril a place? After, you, uh, after walking around yeah. in the rain in circles for a while. Yeah. Aaron actually plugged Rome, Italy into his Google Maps and was confused about the distance. Yeah, it was when I got the Britney ferry that I was starting to worry. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's France, you could, so you're definitely wrong there. I mean, you could also go to Spain, but sure. It's not Italy, is it? No, but it's closer. Spain. It is closer. Anyway, I mean, uh, I'm amazed that you didn't find it, Aaron. Given that all roads lead to Rome, but there we go. You just, you just, you just said Spain is closer to Italy than France. What a pointless uh, tangent. Um, talking of points and pointlessness, uh, Barry Evans. Another question from Barry says: Is 52 points still the benchmark to keep us up? And Josh Pitcher says: When do we panic? Um, I know that you were you were talking in Rome. Uh, you you were worried that QPR had you know, one at uh, Bristol City. So are you starting to panic? When do you start to panic? Um, I thought you were going to wheel out Richard Osman then, for starters, when you were talking about pointlessness. Um, be a good, he'd be a good My Argyle Life, wouldn't he, Richard Osman? That's Aaron. For people not watching the stream, leaving the room. And it's now so disgusting that he's turned his camera off. Um, uh, no, I'm not, certainly not panicking. Um, I could have done with QPR losing yesterday, as I made very clear to my Bristol City supporting friend. Um, I think, you know, there's a large posse of clubs down at the bottom of the league now who look in real, real danger of sliding in. And while some of those might bring the more Schadenfreude, um, uh, you know, adjacent uh, among us more joy than others, my personal view has always been that it would have been really, really good if that kind of clear bottom three for the entire season of Rotherham, Sheffield, Wednesday, QPR could have just you know, got back in their box and, and relegated themselves without much ado because then we could be effectively on the beach by March and that would be all very nice. Um, doesn't look like that's happening. Unfortunately, QPR obviously winning yesterday to close the gap on us to five points and we are, you know, bar Birmingham, um, the best placed team in that kind of mini league at the bottom end of the table. So there are still a ton of clubs in between us and the relegation zone on a five point or fewer margin now, which is um, which is pretty real. I think, as opposed to, you know, it would have been eight to us at, uh, if, if Bristol City had won yesterday. Um, should be noted, of course, that we have both uh, a game in hand on QPR still, which is on Tuesday night against West Brom, and also uh, a better goal difference, which, as Dan knows very well, is almost worth an extra point. Um, uh, at football cliches, alerts there. Um, so, um, yeah, I'd have liked it if QPR had lost and Sheffield Wednesday had lost. Instead, they both won. And, and yeah, you look at the table now and... and those two results make a hell of a lot of difference because you're looking at a bottom three that is still probably odds on to go, you know, if, if those results have gone the other way, those two results versus now a situation where it's wide open. Uh, and obviously, as we know, in situations which are wide open, things that, um, you know, you might not have thought were going to happen can happen. Um, clubs who appear to be very safe can sleepwalk in. I think we all have painful first-hand experience of that from from 2019. Um, and while I am generally much more positive about Foster than some occasional contributors to this podcast who shall not be named, uh, who like to stand up in their bedroom um, and have their computer screen tilted towards the ceiling for Lionel Richie related social media content purposes. Um, 
you know, we we have the you know, as Dan said, we have the lowest budget in the league, essentially bar Rotherham, who are definitely going to go down. Um, all those other clubs around us have better players who are, for one reason or another, not performing, but who have a higher ceiling than, than our players do on the whole. And a lot of them also have the opportunity to, to sack their manager and bring someone else in. Um, now, if things start to go to, to pot in a really serious way. Now, most of them, I think, have already done that this season. So it would be a two two manager season. Um, sorry, sorry, a two sacking season, a three manager season if they were to. But, you know, we've all seen that a new manager boost can be worth that that payout, that compensation if it, if it keeps you in the league. Um, and there are managers out there who are, you know, survival specialists. Uh, obviously, one of them, thankfully, has got to take a job up in Scotland, so is not available for Stoke or anyone like that to to make a late phone call to at this stage. But um, yeah, you know, it's 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 not. This is not really a poor reflection on us as much as just saying that it's brutal down there, and you know, we are absolutely not safe. And I was saying that when we were eight points in a game in hand, clear after Wednesday night. And I'm saying it certainly now when we're only five points clear. And I really don't want this to be seen as a kind of doom saying, you know, you know, uh, really negative take or anything. It's it's really just based on what Dan said. Again, that we are punching well above our weight at this level. Uh, and, and at times, gravity can very unfairly catch up with you. Um, in terms of points, yeah, I think 52 points probably would be enough. I'd be very surprised if it, if it wasn't. It would also just be our luck after what happened last season to be embroiled in a ridiculously overly competitive kind of above average relegation scrap um, where the points total required to stay up is very high. But I think 52 will probably be enough. I think in all likelihood, probably a pointed game. It's tough to say, isn't it? At this moment might just be enough, maybe a little bit more. I'm confident if we continue to go at the, at the current rate of points accumulation, that we will be fine. And obviously we're in a, you know, as Ben mentioned earlier, a difficult run of fishes. So I'm not panicking, uh, and I don't think I'll, you know, I like to think I won't panic unless we are, you know, going into the last month of the season four points adrift or something, which I, I don't think will happen if I'm, if I, you know, if I was to predict it. I do also think though that, you know, we've got our game in hand will disappear after Tuesday night, and that is a very, very difficult one against a West Brom side who are fifth, and then we have to go to Middlesbrough who, on paper, look like a team that we could maybe even catch in the league, but in practice are, I think, significantly better than us, um, certainly in terms of the playing talent at their disposal, and it's a long way, and we've had a charged fixture schedule. So I could see a situation where we lose the next two, and even if it's not a, you know, a sign of the sky is falling in, our performance has been terrible, and just kind of the expected nature of things in this league, if results elsewhere don't go our way, you could be two points off relegation um, by the end of play um, at the Riverside on Saturday, which... Uh, certainly, I think would send more nervous uh, members of this podcast team who are not on air at the moment into something approaching some kind of uh, full full scale meltdown. So um, hopefully we can pull out a result or two in the next couple of games against the odds. We can go into those games then against Sheffield Wednesday and well, Ipswich first, but then Sheffield Wednesday and Blackburn not really needing to get points. It'd be really nice to be able to go into those games with you know feeling a bit more relaxed, but. Staying up was never going to be easy, I don't think. And I think anyone who thought, you know, that eight points was done and dusted and we were safe probably is now looking over their shoulder a little bit more and just noticing how quickly things can change in this league. Um, so I think, I think you know, it's not a cause for panic. And I don't think the players should be panicking or the staff should be panicking. And I'm sure they're not. But the way these fixtures are falling for us at the moment, and, and unfortunately, you know, that little spurt of good results for Sheffield Wednesday and QPR could mean that there's some uh, squeaky bum time uh, and not just in Aaron's. Uh, gulping bedroom before the month is out. Nice. Um, I've got loads of questions to get through, but 
I think we'll we'll skip them. Uh, most of them. Um, Dan, that's your name, Dan. I'll come back to you. Quite a few questions about um, Hazard. Um, doesn't need to be an overly long answer. Uh, basically, that that you know, a lot of it is. Uh, Woolwell Green says, uh, "Is it time to give Burton a chance in goal?" Hazard has uh, made some crucial saves, but he doesn't command his box at all, and is costing us too many points. And Adam, oh, I'm just going to call you Adam. I'm not going to pronounce your Irish last name, to be honest. Um, what does Callum Burton have to do to get a chance, despite his wiki saying that he signed for Stoke in January? Are we, you know, are we being too harsh on Hazard as a as a fan base, I don't think he's done overly. I don't think he's done too badly. I mean, you know, I mean, he could have done better with both of those goals against Leeds, but like we've already discussed, let's be real, we weren't really going to pick up those three points anyway. Okay, to answer your first question, um, is it time to um, give Burton a chance? No. Um, he is a capable league one keeper who came in last season and got us over the line and did a good job um hazard is despite his flaws which are exemplified by the quality of the championship um where he doesn't command his area as well as would be is as well as ideal he doesn't look confident which i think makes a lot of fans nervous um it was it was exacerbated in the whole um, Matt Macy, Kyle Leatheran debate of the fact that Macy looked like a bag of nerves and Leatheran looked confident, which made people think that there was a vast difference between the two. Um, whereas the stats showed that Leatheran was very marginally better, but not, not any more than that. Um, I think the other thing with Hazard is it's the knowledge that we've got a better keeper waiting in the wings. It's the same thing, same thing back 10 years ago. Um, when McCormick got injured and we had Jake Cole come in, very capable League Two goalkeeper, but it was the fact that people inevitably were comparing him to McCormick every week. He wasn't as good, not by miles, but he just, you know, is a reasonable gap between them. And therefore, you know, he got a lot of stick for, you know, through, the, I guess, the frustration that, you know, we have a better keeper on our books, uh, but we can't obviously play him due to injury. So... Um, I think that is a, a factor at play here with Hazard. Um, he doesn't look massively confident and therefore people aren't, you know, doesn't inspire confidence in the fans. I think people are a bit nervous when, you know, the ball comes back to him and, and you know, he's trying to play out from the back as he's being told to. Um, some dodgy kicking is in with that as well. And, and yeah, the... The second goal yesterday is a poor bit of goalkeeping. No other way of saying it. Um, he should save it, as I think it was John said. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good kind of firm strike, but you know, close your legs, mate. It's, it's um, yeah, he, he should save that. Um, it's yeah, Aaron chuckling there as I realise I just said close your legs, mate. Um, edit. I think that. Um, he is doing a decent job um as a as a number two goalkeeper um he, he he's made a lot of good saves this season i think it's it's important to remember that um there have been times where 
people have perhaps been saying, you know, does Cooper even get back in? Um, I'll admit I've had a few kind of thoughts about that when Hazard was on a really good run of form. Um, you know, the, the last couple of games that has kind of dropped off again a little bit. But um, yeah, he's he's not he's not a bad goalkeeper at all. Um, it's just, yeah, his, his few flaws, which leads to a lack of confidence in, in him, in the fan base. And then... Um, the fact that we've got Cooper waiting in the wings means that I think he's getting a bit of a rough ride from our fans, which is which is a shame because, like I say, I don't think he's a bad keeper. I think what really big contributor as well is the inconsistency. I've no, you know, if he'd been a level sort of of ability and performance, I think this wouldn't be a conversation. It would be a case of yeah, he's, he's a pretty decent keeper, and we've got Cooper to come back when he's when he's fit. Um, but he sort of improved and then regressed and has then improved again. And yet, and seemingly, um, I know his leads, but on the basis of that, re- started to regress again. And I think that becomes a concern for the fan base because you don't know what you're getting. And people like consistency, don't we? We like to know what we're getting, even if it's just a six out of 10 or a seven out of 10 every week. So I think that highlights it perhaps more. He'll have games where the distribution's good. He commands his box. He, he comes in, in the air. He does all the things that we've been asking of him and then like yesterday a lot of those things weren't present and it can become um frustrating and it can uh, you know put it present in the mind of the fans whereas um you know his his top level has been absolutely incredible this season it would be good if he could maybe find the the middle ground and keep it that would make the fans happier and i think maybe even give him confidence to to keep if he could keep a consistent level going i think that would give him um a bit of a boost as well it's kind of ironic that you know the the one Argyle goalkeeper that he reminds me of most of um, during my time as a fan, you know, tall, left-footed, capable of pull, pulling off worldy saves, but also prone to the occasional gaff, kicking a little bit dodgy, uh, Mr. Roman Larrier, and is like one of the most popular goalkeepers in Argyle history. It would it would seem um, so. It, it, it's it's yeah it's just a bit of a shame that you know he seems to be getting a bit of stick from our fan base i mean it's and on the wider point it's a real frustration i think that people are kind of laying in on on players that don't don't really deserve it um i will admit that you know they they i have opinions on on some of the players in the squad and whether they're up to it at championship level and it's and it just seems frustrating that people seem to go too far on some players, which are a you know obviously trying their hardest, which is which is important, but also are actually I think decent players at this level. Um, so it just comes back to that perspective thing, really, that I think people need to just lay off him a little bit. Nice, um, Jack Leslie asks: uh, Are there any plans for Sam Down merch? I mean, I can answer that one. Um, there's something in the offing. Watch this space. I mean, the people on this pod don't know what that is either. So um, it's news to everyone. Is it going to be uh, like Bielsa Blue Bucket, but like they don't exist? You can buy like five pound, get you a non-existent sand down chair. I mean, we can do that if people want to spend five pounds on an imaginary chair. Um, no, no, no. It's a sand down non-existent chair. It would be silly to pay five pound for a non-existent chair. That would be that would be silly. Yeah. Okay, one of those. I'm sure we can do that. Uh, not specifically Sam Down merch, but there is something in the offing. Um, when that is confirmed um, and the paperwork is signed, uh, we'll let you know. Um, ref watch. Is there much need 
Or I mean, we are over an hour in. Inconsistent, but got most of the big stuff right. Yeah, and did it really earlier on. Yeah, there's there's one thing I would like to raise on on Ref Watch though, because I've seen a lot of comments about that goal kick which wasn't given, <laughs> um, or the Lino um, Mayflower side Lino, and it was in the kind of Barn Park um, Lindhurst corner um, where we were attacking, and and um, the ball clearly went out of play. Um, no, they were attacking. The ball clearly went out of play, and it and 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 the lino seemed to kind of not realise that it had gone out, and then the referee gave a goal kick, and it all seemed a bit of a mess. Um, the only thing I can think on that is that the lino, being over the other side, knew that the ball had gone out, but wasn't sure who the last touch came off, so communicated it to the ref and said, "Look, it's gone out, but I don't know who. Can you confirm and then give goal kick or corner?" So then the referee made the signal. Because otherwise, yeah, it seemed like a, a kind of weird one in terms of, you know, why would the why would the lino not signal? Um, and the you know lino and ref got some stick from our fans. Um, the slightly amusing one was um, when the popular um, chant about the referee not being very good came out um, because he wouldn't let Ashley Phillips back on the pitch. Guys, learn the thirty-second rule. Um, yeah, that was a bit, a little bit cringeworthy. But um, yeah, yeah, I've seen him get a lot of stick online. I don't think he was brilliant. Like some inconsistency and 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 just a little bit of um, a little bit of kind of Leeds players hitting the deck, and he seemed quite quick to blow his whistle. But I don't think he was that bad, to be honest. There was one challenge I'd love to see back. It was on Whitaker in the box. Um, it looked like he might have got the ball might have got a bit of Whitaker, but there was a given as a goal kick. I need to go back and view the um it was either a penalty or a corner because if he'd kicked Whitaker into the ball, it was a penalty. If he kicked the ball, it was a corner and it got given as a goal kick and I couldn't quite work out what that was. But I mean I, I might go back and watch the uh the full highlights of the second half and realise that I'm completely making stuff up and I was just sort of kind of emotional in the Devonport at the time. But yeah there was some weird there was some weird decision making but I don't think it really altered the course of the game. The name of your first album, Emotional in the Devonport. So it'd be a good one. Um, uh, I've, got, I've got a competition for Emotional in the Devonport, haven't I? There's uh, already uh, yeah, yeah, been really well, No competition, I'm afraid to say, from your point of view. Um, uh, I, I, um, I thought the refereeing was fine. I wasn't on after the Coventry game, so I just wanted to take this opportunity to quickly say that I thought the Lino on the Lindhurst side against Coventry is comfortably the worst official I've seen all season. Um, and compared to that, the officiating team's... Um, yeah, did a very good job uh, yesterday. So yeah, I didn't expect to... Uh, normally, when you say quickly, John, it's normally still a good 20 minutes. Anyway. Anybody got to... No, it's all right. Um, anybody got anything to add on Leeds before we do a really quick West Brom preview? I'll quickly say, it's not so much on Leeds, but we are five points off the drop, but we benefit from having so many teams beneath us who, apart from this Saturday coming, I think there's constantly taking points off each other in the running, and that's going to be very useful. So um, I, I do think the 50 points will be more than enough. Um, and there are teams like Cardiff and Millwall who are on horrendous runs. I know Cardiff are above us, but um, that it's not going to be as simple as the, the points we are above the drop because of having so many teams between us. There's going to be a lot more, um, again, I'll use my favourite buzzword, there'll be a lot more nuance uh, in the running and who's going down. So that's something to keep an eye on. It's not as simple as... Uh, us needing to win 
out uh, the, the games that we've got it will depend on everyone around us too but you, you don't want to rely on that too much as the is the only issue because when the musical chairs stop you can find yourself you know falling the wrong side of a dotted line that you've very rarely been the wrong side of just because some other results go against you and i think i think aspiring to keep a point distance you know is is more important than you know, absolutely having, having a, a buffer of teams like, well, I would take a 15-point differential on us being 21st currently over five points with all those teams in between. But obviously, you would prefer 15 points with all the other teams in between. And that's an, that's an opportunity that we have, right, to get that kind of distance. So, Just trying to, to point out that not all of the teams below us can get maximum points themselves because they're going to be taking points off each other quite a lot. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tuesday night under the lights, West Brom at home. How do you see that one going? Yeah, indeed. The the third of three very tough home games. Um sixth third and and fifth uh that's yeah that that's tricky and and as frustrating as it would be to not win any of those three home games and i know you generally say you know that's that's unacceptable or whatever to to not win any of those three i'd absolutely take a point um and i think that'd be a very good result um two points from those three home games doesn't doesn't sound great on paper but i think that'd be absolutely fine um but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, I, that said, um, didn't think West Brom were great on Friday night against Southampton at all. Um, so that's uh, I guess a little bit of encouragement for us. Um, but yeah, it's just yeah, it's 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 another team with a lot of quality. But as I said earlier, um, it's the fact that we have given a good game against basically everyone in this league apart from those top three um means that i think you know we we've, we've got a good chance um obviously darko jb will be able to um come back in you would assume ryan hardy would start again um whether adam forshaw will be fit or not i'm not sure but hopefully he can kind of come back in and and give us some more options in center mid um but that said adam randall i thought was very good against leeds so you know if we go randall and jb i'll be very happy with that um be interesting to see about the wingback um, selection. Soranola was also had a, a very good game, I thought, against Leeds, but looked absolutely shattered. Whether he had a knock or something, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it looked like he really had run himself into the ground on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he starts or whether Mumba comes back in. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got some options. And I think, as I mentioned on, a, on an earlier pod, it's kind of encouraging that I think we've got a little bit more... A little bit more strength in depth, you know. We can rotate in and no, you're not, of players. you're not allowed to say that. 
yes, I know others have opinions about how our debt is terrible and they are very much entitled to those opinions, even if they're wrong. Um, it's. It, I think it's good that, you know, we're not just looking at it and thinking, well, we've got the same kind of 14 players here that we need to run into the ground. We have got various people we can bring in um, who will do who will do a good job, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. It's I mean, it's great to kind of, you know, get get the fans right, get the fans in, get home packed for the third time in under a week. Um, good for the club's coffers, obviously. And um, yeah, it should be a. Should be a good game. Hopefully the weather's better. I mean, like it seems like all the last kind of five or six home games, the weather's just been terrible. Like, you know, it'd be nice to just um, have a nice calm evening where you can actually see the pitch and it's not chucking down with rain. Um, although, as they say at Football Clichés, that's a great leveller, isn't it? So maybe that would do, do us some good. I wish I could share your optimism, Dan, but our inexcusable failure to sign a... 15 goal a season proven championship striker in the January transfer window, which could only be attributed to poor management at the level of the club. Definitely not the fact that every club was trying to sign one of those to the point where the side who are fourth in the league signed a player from League Two for a million pounds. Um, I think that's an inexcusable lack of depth. And that, yeah, it's just very hard to be as, as forgiving as you are of that, of that kind of oversight. Again. I think that satire is aimed at somebody that isn't on this current pod, just to give everybody um, a level. Actually, um, it's actually aimed at quite a few. A, num- a number of our fellow contributors seem to have that opinion, to be to be fair to um, the person who is usually the butt of that take. Fair enough. Um, as I was saying, um, I had the, the pleasure, if you want to call it that, of uh, experiencing the Mayflower lower for the first time against Leeds. Um, and could not read the game at all. I don't know how people sit there and understand um, depth. It's just all gone. I feel sorry for people that have to sit in the, the bottom row, um, or the front row, as it might be called. Uh, very wet, very windy. Uh, not as wet as it was against Coventry, fair enough, but um, still, if you're if you're getting up and leaving before the full-time whistle, I do not blame you at all, because um, not the best game. Of my life, to be honest. Um, anyway, where was I going with that? Uh, ben, anything to add? West Brom, I think I'm right in saying, other than Leeds and Leicester, have conceded the fewest goals. If there are mistakes, again, individual errors, they're going to cost us. Um, if there's some West Brom ones, would be nice if we could take advantage of them. But I do think it's going to be a game of small margins. You just hope that we can put out a team that... Um, that isn't, you know, the, the injuries, the knocks, etc., the the toil against Leeds. We can put out the team that, that the manager actually wants to put out and and execute the game plan. Um, it's bizarre that we're sort of talking about wanting to get three points against West Brom. You know, West Brom are a boing boing, you know, they're a yo yo team potentially. That now with the uh, the new ownership are probably going to re- you know resume that that model. They're they're a massive team, and the fact that we um, we should have won or felt like we should have won against. Um, one of last year's playoff teams um, a couple of games ago. It's, 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 it is pinch yourself stuff. And, and we need to, um, you know, we need to remember, as John said, that, you know, these, these are massive games. We we could really do with the three points. I think it, if results go against us on the, on, on the night and on the weekend to follow, um, we could, there could be a lot of squeaky bums has been said. And if we get the three points, and uh, results go our way on the weekend, all of a sudden, you know, there can be quite a, a rosy outlook amongst the fan base. So it, it could be quite a pivotal game, if not in terms of the real 
outcome of the season in terms of how comfortably we're all sitting. So it's going to be one of those games, I think, that we feel is um, a pivotal, pivotal one. Of sort of, you know, talk about Randall's last last minute winner and sort of like the atmosphere, the febrile atmosphere that was going on at the time. I think it's, it might be one of those evenings. If it's a if it's a close run thing, which I'm expecting to be, it could be a real um, real hot atmosphere inside Home Park, which sadly we don't see quite so often these days, but. Um, you know, that was a night game, wasn't it? So I feel like um, it could be a, quite an important game, certainly from the fan base point of view, uh, for, for the, this this section of the season. And if we can come out of this run of three games with four points instead of one or two, um, that that has to be seen as a positive from from this run of fixtures. John, you you have a bit of an encyclopedic knowledge of um, people that you dislike in the championship. Um, who are who are West Brom's key threats? Who are their key men? Um, well, I think their key man is is their manager, who I actually do not dislike at all. I think he's very very good and is their biggest asset by a considerable right. distance, which is Carlos Corbran, um, who performed the unbelievable task of taking Huddersfield. To the playoff you know, within to within a, a you know whisker of the Premier League two seasons ago, I think right the season before last. I mean, people feel like that's kind of lost in the mist of time, given that Huddersfield have been so absolutely terrible since he left. But that was an astonishing achievement, uh, and obviously coming in at West Brom last year when they were very unsettled, made them into a team that really looked like it was going to get in the playoffs, but tailed off. This season has been somewhat similar, except they're now kind of pretty well ensconced in fifth place, albeit you know it's a, it's a fast moving picture up there, and a few results can can change things as we know, but. He has them, I think, really tactically brilliantly organised. Um, as has been mentioned, they're a very good side defensively, very hard to break down. Um, and I think they're probably one of the few championship sides who I would say really significantly outperforming the quality of their squad, which for me, I mean, they've got obviously got some great players and, you know, every club at this level, apart from like Rotherham has and us, um, but we have some great players, it turns out. Um, but, you know, they've got some big names, certainly. Um, and, and, you know, players who cost them a lot of money or who have gone for a lot of money in the past. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's a good squad, but but I also think there are better squads below them in the league. Um, and so for them to be, as I mentioned, ensconced in fifth place is really, uh, I think, a very good achievement. One that reflects very well on Corboran. I, I do think that means, though, that, like, it's going to be a very different type of game to the Leeds game and a lesser extent the Coventry game. Um, I really hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I think it's probably less of an affair where it's going to be watching out for players who can hurt you at kind of any moment just with a click of a finger. I mean want to be clear that every single team at this level has players like that, but, you know, not so much as Leeds, right? West Brom do not have a £40 million striker, an Italian full international, um, and, and arguably the best player in the league in Crescencio Somerville, waiting to kind of pounce on any on any mistake. I think it'll be a much more rigid, as Ben said, tight margins kind of game. So, and I think that maybe kind of favours us. I think if we can kind of, you know, get a foothold in the game, be a bit less afraid about making one mistake that's going to be just thrown in our face and, and just kind of try and dictate the tempo, build play. Um, I think we absolutely can get something. But because it's a game of fine margins, as Ben said, you know, obviously that could go the other way and we could end up losing 1-0, 2-1, whatever. I'd be very surprised uh, if we if we suffer a heavier defeat than, than one goal. Um, you know, obviously notwithstanding if we put in a kind of Bristol City type performance or, or do a weird team selection or whatever. But... Um, you know, I think it will be a, a tight game. And that, of course, means you can come out, you know, either side of it based on, as Ben said, very, very fine marginal things going one way or another. Um, but I do think it's a game where we shouldn't be afraid of the opposition, a game where I think we've got a chance to do something, particularly at home. Um, I was at the game at the Hawthorns, which was before they kind of went on a really barnstorming 
run. So, you know, maybe they weren't quite as good a side as they are now in terms of having it figured out tactically. But that finish nil-nil and was a very tight game. But I felt where, you know, probably one where we were the better side. We hit the post. Kessler Hayden, who remembers, should have scored um, with a shot that I think was blocked. Um, so, you know, um, that was a really positive performance, I thought. And, and I think, you know, if we can kind of replicate that type of performance, but have the home crowd as our backs, um, yeah, we, we definitely could get a positive result. I think um, if we do lose, it won't be the end of the world because they are fifth. And that just is the more likely outcome, I guess, based on that on that fact. Um, I also think that, yeah, yeah, the point was made earlier in the season, wasn't it? When we had that monstrously good home record, but also a terrible away record, that part of that might be attributable to the fact that we have played comparatively poor teams at home compared to having to go to all of the, the teams at, right at the top end of the league. This is now another example, the third in a week of, of you know having those sorts of teams who are up in the playoff picture now come down to us with more regularity. So you might find some kind of swings and roundabouts. I certainly don't think a loss is, is, is a reason to kind of throw in, throw in the bin the idea that we're a good team at home or a good team full stop. But yeah, as Ben mentioned, it would be really nice to get something so that we can just put that little bit more distance between ourselves and the bottom three. And um, I think we, we're certainly in with the chance of, of doing it. Um, yeah, I, I think it will definitely be a game of, of fine margins, as Ben said. Before we do uh, score predictions, do you want to do a little quiz? We rarely do transfer business with West Brom. But if you can name me any of the last seven transfers, according to Transfermark, between West Brom and Plymouth Argyle, I'll be very surprised, apart from the obvious. So you can shout out the obvious one first. Uh, is, what, Alex Palmer Yeah, there you go. There's one. Right. If you get any of the other six, I'll be very impressed. How far back are we talking here? Well, the, the, the seventh most recent transfer is in 19... 19- 57. So that's how little right. business we do with West Brom. Did, did we sign someone in the 80s from them called Stuart Evans, was it? We may have, but it's not on this on this website. I'm going to check. Let me Wikipedia that. Have I... The main Easter. Nope. He made his debut against West Brom. I remember that. But we did sign Stuart Evans from West Brom. There we go. That is... According to Wikipedia, we did. Unless he was released oh, by that... West Brom and then we signed that's... him. Well, maybe. Pulled That's very good right. remembering from you. I haven't played for us before well, I was even born, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest, I'll put you out your misery because there's no chance you're gonna get these. What are the more recent years? 2018-19 season, 2011-12 season, two no, Ooh. that was 1920. 2011-12, 2001-2002. Yeah. It must have been you, a low surely. You will not get this. Oh, um, so it's a shame Sam is here. I think he definitely would get it. And I'm so confident I might be about it. No, he wouldn't. This is transfers between the clubs, Darren, by the way. Darren Purse. No. Jarvis Cleal, Danny Barrow, Chris Adamson, and Andy Conwin. See? You you wouldn't get that. Oh, them. how do we not get those? Good audition for Aaron for the second tier job if uh, if Dilks yeah. gets sacked and that becomes available. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's talk of an Argyle Life mastermind. That might be a question that I put to uh, Sam down. Uh, and again, he wouldn't get them. Um, he would. Oh, he would. Not, no, you think he listens to this? No. Go on, Ben. Score prediction. Oh, score prediction. Um, my head says draw, but my heart says win. Which do I listen to? I want to say 2 1 Argyle. 
Uh, no, I'm gonna say one nil Argyle. One nil to the Argyle. Dan. Um. Yeah, I think we'll. I think we'll get a draw. Um. I'll go for one one. Uh. Am I allowed to also have one nil to the Argyle because that was going to be mine? If not, I'll say two one. Yeah, you can have what you want. I'm gonna say nil nil. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Nice little nil nil. That'd be a lovely little thing to talk about in midweek. Nice little nil nil draw with West Brom. I'm sure that'll go down well. I'm sure that will not cause any loss of perspective whatsoever if it's a nil-nil draw in terms of people online who think that we're boring under Foster. No, exactly. So it works. Um, plays to that narrative. Um, I think we'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Boring, boring. Oh, go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, remember to like, comment, subscribe, all of that good stuff. Find us on your podcast platforms on Spotify and Apple and Google Play. We're obviously on YouTube if you're watching along. If you're not, go and watch along. Um, I'm a bit, a bit late to ask you to do that now. Um, and find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Cheers. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.